Hi, hi, hi. Welcome to How the Fuck Did You Bounce Back? I'm Rebecca Lee, your host. And in this episode, I chat with actor and comedian Nina Concepcion. She is just a joy to talk to. Um, We chat about stuff like the shame that comes with just having a body innately, um, but also the body shaming that goes on in our world. We talk about sobriety, what an erotic blueprint is, also what a nervous system reset is, and so much more. So without further ado this is how the fuck did you bounce back with guest nina concepcion nina thank you so much for being here um super pumped to talk to you i know you from the comedy world funny wonderful very just nice person to be around very warm person to be around but i don't know the ins and outs of nina so usually we start out by we'll just dive right in Okay. Um, is there a low moment, a low season, an event, whatever that you've encountered in your life that you're most proud of overcoming? And could mm. you share that with us? It could be childhood or adolescence mm-hmm. or adulthood, or maybe it was something during the pandemic, or maybe it was like me. My fucking low point was actually after the pandemic, like getting back into the world. Yeah. Um, so yeah, is there something that like stands out? I was thinking about this a lot and I I think the part, the time in my life that I'm most, that I think about now and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so glad I'm not in that anymore. And I'm so happy to be where I am now. I would say from the ages of 24 to 28, okay. that chunk. So I know that's a big chunk, but like I, you know, look at things I posted or I even you know, think about how I was in my relationship at the time um, to who is now my husband. And I'm just like, I don't even feel like that person anymore. Mm. And it was, and there were so many moments of wondrous joy in that time. But overall, that chunk sticks out to me for several reasons of like, I never, also my cats are fighting. If you hear a, a naughty hiss, I'm so sorry. I love a naughty hiss. <laughs> um, yes, I think like, oh my God, I'm so glad to not be the ages 24 to 28 anymore. Okay. Okay. So yeah. to understand that, I feel like we need to go yes. backwards a little bit. So what yes. got us to age of 24 and what what was the inciting incident if there was one? Well, it was interesting because at 24, I was coming. So I was a born again Christian from ages 16 to 23. Okay. Um, like straight up. I know you had Alyssa Sabo on I the did. podcast. I did. I was about to say, yeah, we've had a few. We've connected via like being like, oh God, <sighs> um, just like cringe city. Awful. So I almost like brought up that time that I was like, actually, I'm like so glad that I got out of that and I like had the veil pulled from my eyes from that just insidious community. Mm. But um, when I was 24, so up until 23, so I was living in LA um, from, I moved here when I was 20, like two. Um, So I was just getting out of the church. I went to a really trendy Christian church in LA with like celebs and- like the 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 music was like an arcade fire concert it was just horrendous wild yeah gross Um, I I probably I'm gonna ask you if I know the one after this but okay yes I'll say it on here it was reality LA and that wasn't the one I was gonna say 
um and yeah I met like some individuals that I really care but overall it was a pretty negative experience so then I get out of that and I'm like finally I feel like I had my college years delayed so I felt like I was going through college actually from the years 24 to 28 Mm. because when I went to college I went to NYU which was amazing it was like you know so open-minded but I was super Christian during that time sure so I felt like I oh my gosh I just didn't have the college experience I wish I had and I didn't learn really about myself the way I really wish I would have as a young woman like living on her own Mm. so it was kind of delayed um and I think it so that's where I am at 24 like I'm coming out of this Christian place I meet my now husband Kyle we start dating he's an atheist like not at all um Mm. and I'm starting to kind of like learn about myself for the first time at 24 really did that like inhibit you from wanting to date him at first being it it definitely made a lot of people in the church not a lot a few friends kind of warn me and give that like oh you shouldn't and no and what's the craziest thing is you know like being christian it's like, well, if you die and he dies, you're not going to see him in heaven. Like, he's not going to heaven. Whoa! Yeah. I have oh, never yeah. thought of that before until just now. That is crazy. What a yeah. what a huge guilt trip and yes. scare tactic that is. Holy shit. Yes. Unbelievable. Um, but thankfully, I met Kyle right as I was coming out of that. Mm. And it was it's kind of like the perfect, like, I had dated non-christians but it was always like oh well they're not the person i'm gonna marry because you know like there were crushes and stuff but um yeah it was just a whole ugh. but um i was really coming out of it when i met him and i think the thing that really made me say goodbye was like okay here's this man that i'm dating and he exhibits so many more of the qualities that the church says you should have but the men in the church are awful and horrible and I felt so shamed and guilt just so much shame and guilt so then I was like wait that doesn't make sense um and that kind of was the last kind of thing that I was like I'm I'm just done with this part of my life it's been a long time coming but Mm. but in so in that so that was a good thing but then I felt like I didn't know who I was at 24 I was learning about myself. I was extremely insecure, extremely, a, probably a terrible girlfriend, terrible partner. I, I always joke with Kyle now, like, I'm so glad, like those first three years of our relationship, I would never want to go back to. Um, really? There but were you moments, stayed in it. Yeah, because we grew. So that's like kind of getting to, I think, how I'm so proud of like where we are now as individuals and as a couple, because I think I, and I can only speak for myself, but those first three years, I was just incredibly insecure and I didn't Mm. know who I was. And then I, you know, within those three years I had gotten on Herald night at UCB. And then I was starting, you know, just to like figure myself out. And so then I think I probably wasn't a really great partner during that time, um, even though, so it just kind of came to a head where I was like, and obviously therapy was the answer. Okay, to so how you were in therapy during that time? That caused me 
too. Okay. I feel, I started therapy. I had always kind of been in and out, you know, here and there. Yeah. Um, but the, what really made it was going to therapy. And another thing that happened in this four year window is that I was estranged from my parents. Mm-hmm. I cut off contact with them for, I don't really want to go into that, but so that was like a thing that was happening. That's a thing. Yeah. And that was the hardest thing I've ever been through. Um, and I will say now, um, my relationship to my parents is, uh, and especially my mother is the best it's ever been. There's been so much healing. That's amazing. Like, inc- and it, again, it all comes back to therapy. Like during this four year window, when I'm like, okay, I'm not a Christian anymore. I'm figuring myself out. I don't have a relationship with my mom at this time, which was really hard. Um, it was just, yeah, like all of that was kind of, and then I was also having this, it was like all this internal turmoil mixed with like, I'm on Herald night and I'm, I'm figuring out my like comedic voice and performing and getting clearer on like what I want to do, but still feeling very untethered during that time. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. What? And also, we don't have to talk about it if it's yeah. too specific. But like, mm-hmm. what 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 brought you and your family healing? What was something? I know you said therapy. Is it individual therapy, yeah. or did you go together? Or individual therapy? Okay. And another big thing was, I think, also personal growth for me. I um. The last few times I've visited, so my family's on the East Coast, the last few times, um, it's been like me, my sisters, and my mom, and like our my one sister's kids, so the nephews, it's like a mom-sister trip, and it's been so healing and beautiful, and I had this epiphany in therapy where like I wish I could have like either been my mom's sister or my mom's yeah, like my mom's sister or friend growing up. Like, I really wish I could have. And I was telling my mom this last time, I was like, I would like to be born as a woman in 1960 and to have, and she was the only girl in her family. She had all these brothers. Oh my gosh, like the pain, just all the things that she went through. And I just understand my mom so much more and have empathy and like I I yeah women were not set up for success during that time there was no mental health you know um and and when she had me in the late 80s it's like oh my gosh there was no nothing self-care for the woman was not a thing you know yeah yeah Oh man. Yeah. I'm happy that you guys like healed together and that's like a, that's a big thing, but it's crazy to think like, imagine if like you could, this is sounds so weird, but I've read about it somewhere, I think, or maybe therapy parent, your parent, and like Mm -hmm. what that would look like if like, you know, especially what you're saying with like the generational thing and like not having the option, like I've been in therapy since 2015. Like if I didn't have that, you know what I mean? Like it's Mm -hmm. so nice to hear like that you could extend empathy. I am in no contact with my dad and that probably Mm -hmm. will never change. But Mm -hmm. I relate to you being like, that's like when you started to learn more about yourself because you Mm -hmm. really get, at least from what I experienced, you really get stripped down, like bare to the bone and then Mm -hmm. are now rebuilding. Um, 
who you are yeah. and learning like what you value and what you care about. So like yeah. I relate to that so much is a crazy thing that happening. And cause it happened to me in, in my twenties too, like yeah. being like, I can't believe I'm in my twenties and I don't know what I like, what yes. like, you know what I mean? Or who yes. I am or what I stand for. Yes. And it's, yeah. And I, and I, I've also, a lot of this healing has come, like I have empathy for my college self and that Christian version of, version of myself. Really. I, I have, cause for a lot, I spent a lot of time hating that part of me and being mortified and like, Oh, the things I said and did and believed. Ew. But then I, I also like had empathy through therapy have begun to have empathy for that part of myself that who that iteration of myself and seeing that like okay you know um I was looking for a community I was looking to just be loved at the end of the day and it and there's a whole because I you know we could go into it and be like yeah that's exactly who they probably prey on and want to bring in and like like what type of person do you feel like they they do prey on what like quality wise just like someone who's I mean it sounds like someone who's kind and cares about other people but well what's interesting is so I feel like in LA the Christian church the trendy actually they just want people like them they want people to dress that dress a certain way that are really trendy and cool and and if you're not like that actually you aren't I truly believe you are not welcomed into the fold Mm -hmm. you know it was it felt like the cool kids all over again um which was really gross and part of why I never want like I despise it um but then I think when I was became a born-again Christian I was invited to this Christian camp and I think that is yeah I think they really try to get kids uh, yeah to who I think are either looking for a community mm. but again that's still the Christian camp I went to was very had a look and every everyone was beautiful and clean and just like it was so pristine it was a wow. beautiful camp um and people were wealthy and I was like oh this is a very specific brand of Christianity mm. and you know so I don't know it's yeah so I yeah during like that age too is like where I mean I can only speak for myself where like you want to like fit in and like be accepted and you are still figuring out who you are and maybe I'm there you're trying on like different identities um so I can like totally see how that happened how did you start you said 16 is when you yeah how did that uh how did that happen how did that come about a friend invited me to a Christian camp and uh for the summer and I had camp it was literally the camp Got because it. at the camp, they do this whole thing where like every night you have a speaker and by the like second to last night is when they send you out into the campgrounds, all the lights are off and that you, they have you like sit by yourself for 20 minutes. And the point is to like, so you can get saved by Jesus, like that you can be like in that 20 minutes. I don't, I just sat what do they there expect and- you? What do they expect you to do? Like talk, talk, like pray and pray. be like I'm sorry I'm sorry like I'm sorry for not having been that well there's these people called leaders and Ooh, I this w- literally sounds like a horror I sound like I'm ba- I'm not bashing Christianity at all I think that it's there's a place for it for like you know you can do it in a way that is the right morally correct way and then there's a way to not do it that way and the just Ex- the way you're talking sounds like 
scary. It was, it is like, and I will say this because I know it sounds like I am bashing, but this is another thing that pisses me off about a lot of Christians is they have a lot of assumptions about my relationship with God because I'm not a Christian. And I get really upset about that because I'm like, you don't know anything about my relationship to what I believe actually, just because I'm not part of your church, your community. So I think my anger really lies in like this specific organization I was a part of. And honestly, the Christian church, a lot of Christian churches, you know, Mm -hmm. less about Christians as individuals, although, you know, but I think it's, it's more of like the the society of it, the The structure. Yeah. Yes. That's what I don't, I don't consider myself an atheist. I don't, I believe in God of some sort. I, you know, I'm figuring it out. And I think I get so still, there's that rage inside me that I felt because I still feel judged, you know, it's like, but you don't know my relationship. You don't know if I pray, you don't know anything just because I'm so against this version of it, you know? And I think that is still something I'm always going to battle with. Um, but yeah, this this Christian camp, which I then worked at for summers, that took over my life basically. Sure. What did your uh, family think of it? Were they religious at all? My I was born Catholic, so we were much more like I made my uh, Catholic sacraments, like my communion. Um, I was an altar server growing up, okay. um, but it was much more like we go on, you know, holidays and sometimes every Sunday. But but. I do think it freaked my mom out when I oh, came really? home. Yeah, because again, in Christianity, in this kind of born again world, you're taught that Catholics aren't real Christians. Like they're not saved. Wait, so th- what? Yes, there is this, and I'm sure Alyssa. I almost wish, like, we'll do. We'll need to do like a trio where we literally. All, yeah, I know she gets it. Um, it's. Yeah, like I was basically told that any other person who wasn't like a born again person who wasn't saved, who didn't like accept Jesus into their heart, whatever that meant, wasn't a real Christian. But isn't that what Catholics doing, especially every time you take communion and stuff? Aren't you accepting Christ into your heart? I thought Christian, I thought if you were, I might be, I probably Mm -hmm. am a total idiot. Uh I thought it was like Christianity is like the big bubble. And then of that, there's like offshoots that are different religions, like Catholicism, Presbyterian, whatever. Yeah, there is. I I think that's what I would say, too. But what was this one then? It it was like non it was like non-denominational Christianity. Whoa, I've never heard of I've never heard of them being like Catholic. I've never heard of Catholics aren't Christian. That's wild. Well, because they wouldn't advertise like I don't think. They'd put it on a website or an Instagram post, sure, but it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. this is what they're telling you essentially when you're, they're saying like, you know, yeah, you're Catholic. Sure. You go to mass, but you're not saved. Like you didn't ask Jesus into your heart. Like we really need you to be saved. Like say, like <sighs> literally. And, and yeah, like that's what it is. And Whoa. I know. Yeah, that's like so much to put on a kid because you're like, if you yeah. don't do this, I'm sure the consequence, what well, you're going to hell, you're never going to see your family. What, what, like, that's what they say, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there was so much shame in like yeah. when I worked at the camp, girls couldn't wear spaghetti straps or yoga pants uh, because we would cause our Christian brothers to stumble. Um, like, literally, it was so much on the girl, always. 
Like, oh, I really? Oh, yes. I mean, I'm not surprised to hear this. Yeah. But. So that was like, and this again was during my formative years. Like I was 16, 17, 18, early 20s. Like I was figuring myself out and my sexuality and all this stuff. And there was so much, oh my God, guilt. Um, so much guilt and shame and feeling like, oh, um, yeah. So that's kind of like all the shit that was churning inside of me that when I got out of it, I was like, what the hell? How do I figure who I am? I don't know who I am really. Yeah. You know? Yeah. How has, how has, uh, what would you, so it's like mostly like, I don't want to put words in your mouth, like shame and guilt in general, Mm -hmm. but it sounds like specifically there's some around sexuality and body shaming. How did that manifest to you like as an adult? Uh, It was really hard. Well, it's interesting. So I was um, seeing this amazing sex therapist, Nicoletta. I'll get her name after, but she's incredible. Like she's amazing. And I found her through a podcast and I came to her because I was like, listen, I still have, it's, it's funny, right? Because growing up as a Christian, it's like virginity is on a pedestal. It's this, it's this thing you covet. Um, and, but sex within marriage, hell yeah. It's like, yeah. And it's like, yeah we're married yeah like we're gonna be fucking and it's just like oh you can be so dirty but as long as you're married as long as you're married oh my god yeah okay so you have like whiplash so then i'm i get married at almost two years ago i'm not a christian haven't been for years now i'm married and i'm still feeling these weird shame feelings about my sexuality and who i am as a sexual person and as a partner and and so I'm like telling her and I'm like I don't get it because like if I was still a Christian you know I'm technically I'm okay because it's like I'm married now and that's right and it's like I'm not going to hell but it's still this thing it's so deeply embedded into my psyche because it's something that I think I started to believe so young um because even before being saved you know even in the catholic church i remember fully thinking you went to hell if you had sex before marriage um for sure if you had an abortion you were going to go to hell and like just all these things in my head right like and so i think once i started feeling free and you know and especially in high school i mean i was sexually active at 16 but and and during Christianity, like with a Christian boyfriend, but then you feel so guilty and you're like, yeah. you're like, oh my God, okay, the Lord, like you pray, you're so ashamed and you're just like, what? And so, and that doesn't just go away when you stop believing, you know, and that's been really, really hard, but also amazing because I'm like, I don't know. I'm finally in a place where like, I'm so at home in my body. I feel so safe in my body. Yeah. True. And I know, you know, I know we've talked a little, but I've been almost six months sober now. Yeah. And I congratulations, realized, man. Thank you. Thank you. Likewise. Big fucking Ugh. deal. And it's been, it's, I've been on this journey of like, yeah, I just feel really 
really safe in my body. And so it's been beautiful to kind of undo all of this shame. And um, yeah, because I think to me, sex always had a very negative, something attached to it, whether it was literal pain because I was so tense, you know, tense and didn't know who I was. And I was, you know, with people having these experiences who we weren't, you know, it was just like a lot of pain, a lot of like negativity and shame. So it's been really beautiful to explore now as a 33 year old woman, like that actually sexuality is very healing and can be very healing and beautiful and, and yeah, just figuring that out, you know? Yeah. What like, was there any, or is there anything like that you can share that was helpful with the sex therapist that like people can do? I mean, this, there might, the answer might be no. It's like, you're talking right. about stuff, but like, cause I've been to a sex therapist before and there are things like simple things like lay in bed with your partner, like naked and like, <laughs> just be with each other. You know, it doesn't have to lead to set like stuff like that. You know, yeah. is there anything that was like very helpful for you or maybe like a journaling prompt I don't know but like something that like was what people could use yeah well I didn't know there was this thing called erotic blueprints and never heard of this we all have an erotic blueprint and um she actually had she sent me like a pdf of it because I always thought you know especially like NYU or something when I had a lot of amazing free super sexual friends who were having a ton of sex I was like oh like I I don't know if I am like that because it's hard for me to just like I can't just switch it on and be like yeah I'm ready to go Mm -hmm. um and or you know just different things and I learned about like we're all different right some people can just switch on and they're ready to go some people um are very sensory oriented and um you need a lot of sensory things that, that don't even have to be sexual, just mm-hmm. like um, yeah. smells, touching, feels. Um, so we each have this blueprint that really is, I think, more than just in the terms of sex. It kind of like, I, what I learned is like, we all have a different blueprint, so it's all okay to that we experience sex in different ways. And also it's so tied to our nervous system, everything. Mm is our nervous system which shocked me so we would we would like be talking and something would come up and I'd be like oh my god this is because of something that happened when I was a kid that wasn't sexual but made me feel unsafe and I'm holding that in my body and that's translating to something in regards to sex like that like kind of blew my mind yeah like the mind body connection in regards to sexuality. Yeah. Yeah. And, and holding tension or trauma. That oh, trauma. It's, yes. It's all in our body. So then of course it's like, yeah, when I was, you know, I don't know. Yeah. You hold it in your body so tight. And so that it's like, no wonder it manifests in different ways, whether that's anxiety. Um, you know, I've known like people get stomach ulcers. It's like, that can come from like deep ex- anxiety. Like, Totally. Yeah. I'm just, I'm on this journey. I feel like of like healing and being gentle with my nervous system. Cause I feel like that's the center of everything really, obviously, but 
Have you done like any like somatic work or like body work or how do you like mm. access the body trauma or like yeah. release it or has there been anything that's been helpful for you with that? Yeah. So it's, it's really all tied together again. Like um, I realize that I'm a very sensual person, meaning I, I need, I respond to like touch, smell, um, so for instance, like if I'm feeling really unsafe or spiraling with anxiety, um, I will just gently touch myself and just ge- like almost hold myself. Yeah. Um, I'll touch like my stomach, my, my chest, my forearms, just everything. And it just really brings me, it, it works for me. Like, cause that's how I like, you know respond yeah um and obviously like I deep breathe like breathing breath work but I think for me specifically gently touching myself because I spent so many years angrily squeezing parts of my body and just like being so mean to myself and hating myself um for me to gently hold myself is so healing for me yeah that's so interesting it it's mm-hmm. it's i i'm so excited to read about this blueprint erotic blueprint thing yes. because i've never heard of it before but of course like it makes total sense you know yeah um jumping around a little bit what and also if you're not comfortable talking about this we don't talk about it um what yeah. what made you stop drinking or be sober or like what what's your journey with that like i love talking about this <laughs> um i I've always had a very weird relationship to alcohol. Um, I didn't drink until I moved to Los Angeles. Again, the whole like delayed college experience. I, and so I've just always had a weird relationship with it. Alcoholism runs in my family. So I was always like wary. Um, But what really made me stop was my anxiety was really bad when I drank. Um, Like during drinking or after? Both, like all around it. I think like, Um, I used to think I was drinking to relax and calm down, but I was actually, it would just make it way worse. Um, And I, I I think it also, I just had this, I was telling my therapist this, um, another reason I think I, I stopped because of that, but then I continued to not drink because I used to drink to get out of my head, out of my body, basically to like get out of it. And now because I feel so safe in my body, I don't want to get out of my body. I don't want to not feel like I'm in here, you know, like this is my safe place. My I'm cozy in here and just protected. And when I drink or when I'm doing something that alters my brain state in a way, the way alcohol affected me, I didn't feel safe. I, I just felt very unsafe when I drank. Um, and right now I'm all about safety and yeah. Yeah. Has that, it, has it been a difficult transition for you? You know, it really hasn't. Mm. Um, I love it so much. I truly, I mean, you know, we all, there's no journeys perfect, but I really can see myself never touching alcohol ever again okay. for the rest of my life. Okay. Um, because I think the hardest part was I was at a wedding recently and for the first hour, that was the first time I was like, damn, I really wish I was drinking a cocktail with everyone else um, because they look delicious. And I I always loved like, you know, fancy drinks and I love it. But 
but I was so happy by the end of the night that I was sober because I had way more energy. I actually closed the place down with the remaining guests because I was actually so clear headed, you know, mm-hmm. and like could actually party harder in a weird way because I didn't feel like crap. Yeah. Um, and the next day I felt wonderful and I was like, oh, this is great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Isn't it wild like being the only, well, seemingly only sober person and like looking around and being like, oh, <sighs> fuck, I was like that, you know? And you're Dude. like, oh my God. <laughs> Dude, I have been in the last, like, specifically the last month, I have been, I found myself with really gone, gone drunk people, like strangers, like people that I don't know, just like. Right. We went to a concert at the um, Greek and ugh, like yeah. just a mess. And then I just catered an event and the, oh, the people were so, 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 so drunk um, afterward. And it's just like, dude, ugh, it makes yeah. me so happy that I'm not that. And I, yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's so interesting. I'll be at dinner. I got at dinner yeah. a couple weeks back and like there's a table who just progressively get got louder and louder and louder mm-hmm. as they're drinking. And I'm like, Jesus, like, shh, like shut the fuck up. There's other people here, but you're so like that part of your brain is like totally shut off when you're drinking. And so you're just like, it's only you. You know what I mean? Yes. And there's such a fine line for when it stops being cute and it starts being really fucking annoying. Yeah. And when you're drunk, you always think it's cute. But yeah. when you're sober now, you're like, oh my God, it's not cute. It's, you're so annoying. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I I went on a bachelorette trip and it was mm. a, I, I thought it was a wa- going to be like wine tasting, but it was mm. like an entire day of <gasps> going on a bus to different wineries. And I was the only sober person, and I was like, oh, my God. I made a huge mistake mm-hmm. by doing this. Not because I didn't want to support my friend, but, like, I should have just stayed at the house and, like, yeah. let them do all their things or whatever. It was so hard, Nina, because, like, I mean, they are – and, of course, they're trash. It's a bachelorette. Of course. Like, do your thing. But, like, yeah. having to – like, everybody's sniffing and being, I hear – smell notes of chocolate and stuff, and I'm just like – uh uh-uh. uh, and someone oh. at one point was like, "You can spit it out," and I was like, "No, you clearly don't know what an alcoholic <laughs> is. You think that I'm gonna put alcohol into my mouth and spit and it out? Absolutely no. not. No. Absolutely not. It, it's it's wild. Uh, uh, have you done like uh like groups or anything, or are you like doing this on your own? Yeah. No, I've just kind of done it on my own. I, um, yeah. So. And it's been really great and I feel extremely supported and I've never felt weird about it. Um, I do always want to check myself because I'm like, I really hope I don't come off like I'm on a a pedestal or like my high horse now because I I don't, because I I don't want that, I think. But I also don't want to feel ashamed for not drinking anymore either. It's this weird thing of like, Mm -hmm. actually, I am really proud. And deep, deep down, I'm like, I don't. I really wish no one did, you know? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel the same way. Or, like, <laughs> it's, like, when I go home or something and being, like, uh, I feel like people are already, like, oh, she thinks she's so cool because she lives in L.A. And now add on top of mm-hmm. that, like, and she doesn't drink. Like, she just thinks she's too cool, that mm-hmm. type of thing. And I, mm-hmm. and that's hard to, like, be, like, uh, that's on them, that's not on, on them. me, you know? 
Yeah. And I think um, something also I was nervous about at the the um, wedding was like, I, I was worried I wasn't going to be as fun as I was when I drank because I was never the blackout messy girl, except for my bachelorette. That was the one time that I was super, super messy. But besides that, but I was definitely always the fun, like, yes, cocktails, martinis, like, love it. Um, I never drank really more than three drinks, but definitely the fun tipsy girl like mm-hmm. loved to party especially at bachelorettes my god doing a tequila shot like in the pool loved it mm-hmm. and so I was worried I was gonna lose that part of myself but this wedding proved to me that I'm actually I'm fun like you can be fun without it's not the alcohol that actually makes you fun it's you and just feeling and so I was so happy I felt like that was the my first big event as like a sober sober person and it was a yeah. beautiful, beautiful time. Were you worried going into it or like concerned at all? Not really. Um, but man, that first cocktail hour, I really wanted a cocktail. Oh, yeah. Um, like bad. Um, but then it passed. And actually, they made me a delicious mocktail. And I'm That's like, great. That's just as it's good. So like, you know, yeah. Um, but yeah, I haven't been like tempted or worried um at all so that's been really good yeah for me like the first couple months were brutal Mm. like I would try to go out and I would just be like start crying because I like just didn't feel comfortable I've been relying on this thing to help me feel comfortable forever yeah and now I'm super raw and bare and I don't have anything um but man does it get easier uh I know that that's like a thing they say but like it really does and I still like I still have my moments where I'm like fuck this would be so much easier to deal with this thing if I could just not deal with it for a minute with drinking um but then like letting it pass and I'm also like a definitely like a one day at a time person where I'm like just for today I'm gonna choose not to do this I'm not gonna worry about tomorrow maybe tomorrow I will drink who knows but today I'm just gonna choose not to do it and that's been super helpful for me yes I think that is such a beautiful way to approach it because um I was telling I also talked to that uh my therapist about that about because it can be overwhelming and you could be like well does this mean like I'm sober forever and but it's like it doesn't have to be any anyone else's journey but your own one day at a time today. And I think that goes into like um, also intuitive eating and intuitive living, which I'm a big proponent of intuitive eating and mindful eating. And Ooh. But I think it also translates to drinking too. Um, what is, what's, I mean, I think I know what intuitive eating is in my, what, what is like, what is that? Um, it's just how I approach it is, food neutrality um having food neutrality no food is good or bad none no food there's no hierarchy in food a hamburger is not better than broccoli um it's all the same and so you so you don't get you just approach food very neutral and you eat like what feels good in your body Mm, okay and a lot of it is based on how children eat so if you let a child eat ice cream every single day they for the first like few days yeah they'd probably gorge on ice cream and then they'd be they'd slowly be like I don't I don't I want something else and you know I want this and um babies are really good about being intuitive eaters because they stop eating when they don't want to eat anymore 
and then they scream and cry when they're hungry. Mm. So I think with the book that I read about intuitive eating, literally called intuitive eating. Um, and then another book is uh, how to, I think it's like, just eat it, getting your shit together around food. Um, it um, really says like babies are such an amazing blueprint for how we are supposed to eat. And then we are taught as we grow up in diet culture to ignore our hunger cues, ignore them and, you know, eat, don't eat past 5 PM. Don't eat, um, you know, intermittent fasting or whatever, Mm. like all that crazy stuff. Um, or only eat clean and non-processed foods, even though the only way you could eat a non-processed food is to rip something out of the ground and eat it then like even bagged lettuce is processed. Mm. So it's just, yeah, it's a whole thing. It's, um, but I think approaching drinking, it can also work for drinking, right? To be like, I think that's kind of how I stopped. It was like, this doesn't feel good in my body. I'm not going to do it. Um, and approach, approaching sobriety like that, where it's like sit, not being like, I'm going to be sober for the rest of my life, black and white forever. It's like, today, let me check in with my body. I don't want it. Great. You know, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, totally. And so intuitive eating sounds like the opposite of like Weight Watchers or something. Where yes. shit is like, that fucking stuff will fuck yes. you up. They like yes. assign point values and shit to yes. wild. And, wild. And our generation, oh, we are kids of Weight Watchers. Like I feel like in the 90s, the amount of lean cuisines in my fridge. Yeah. Of, of, of like Special K, of um slim fast it was like diet culture baby um so yeah it's wild how it's all tied together I swear to god I, uh, to get woo woo but it's like it's all I, I just truly believe that like sexuality um our our food trauma like trauma around food and like once you heal these little parts it all like spirals and you start to be like oh my god but this is connected to this and you know this is connected to this and it yeah it's like that kind of cyclical notion, I feel like. Yeah, because like, isn't it, doesn't it have to do with, well, for me at least, like self-esteem, self-worth, self-love for me around things like that. So then mm-hmm. it's like when you heal one, you heal the other. I know for me, I didn't even start with um, alcohol. I started in CODA, CODA Codependence Anonymous. And Whoa. when I started healing my codependency is when I started realizing, it's like, when at least for me and some other folks and program or whatever when you heal one thing it kind of migrates to another thing until you can like get to the core root of it deep down so it's like all right coda kind of working on that but now we're gonna drink the shit out of everything all the time and then and then a food one will come into play i'm not drinking anymore but now like i'm over so oh like oa overeaters anonymous there's like so many different things and it's like the root of it is none of those things it's like deep deep in ourselves and like trying to access that is hard and scary and also costs money if if you need Mm -hmm. to go to therapy which not everybody can afford and people can't and what's really fucked up and is like a lot of you know sex therapists um I did pelvic floor therapy which was really healing you're the second person that I've talked to who's done this and I wanted to do it because it was recommended to me but it's so fucking expensive Oh, I spent thousands and thousands because insurance doesn't cover it and women's health is a fucking joke. Um, And so you could have chronic pelvic pain and all these diagnoses and it doesn't matter. You still have to pay. So I paid out of pocket because I'm not going to some 
rando. This is so vulnerable and personal Mm -hmm. that I want to be at the right place. So I've spent thousands and thousands of dollars, I feel like, on sex therapy, pelvic floor therapy, women's health specifically to like heal. And I'm I'm so grateful and privileged that I was able to do that um, this last like year or so. But but I also had a lot of anger that like I wasn't, no one talked about this in my early 20s. Like, why didn't I know about pelvic floor therapy when I was like 21 or something? Like I would have been, you know, it makes me so angry of that. Yeah. 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 My mom's a fucking nurse and she didn't even know what pelvic floor therapy was. It's crazy. Yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, this is not okay. What was your experience with pelvic floor floor therapy like? And do you recommend it? Yes. 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 I'm so obsessed. It changed my life. Debbie, I saw my girl, Debbie. Um, It was, I was really nervous because. Yes, I was just like, I have a lot of pain around sex and of like my body tensing up or, you know, all this shit and realizing through my sessions with Nicoletta that that's from, it's like stored trauma. And, oh my God, the fact that I've been on hormonal birth control for so long and that literally changed the tissue in my fucking vagina. Wait, what? Yes, hormonal birth control changed the tissue so that it was painful to have sex. Is like that it, like a is that like a side effect a side of birth effect. control? Yes, and no one talks about it and no one tells you when you're about to get on birth control. And I listened to a ton of podcasts, read interviews where people would all of a sudden experience painful sex out of nowhere and then they'd finally go to like a specialists and they would be like your hormonal birth control has literally um like I don't know the proper word for it but like ruined your tissue at your vaginal opening like it's literally and no one and I I'm sure I'm not like I've been off and on birth control since I was like 16 right off and then you know and 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 no one tells you that you can like it literally affects the tissue of your body. Have um, no so, idea. Yeah. So immediately my doctor was like, get off of that. You're not doing that anymore. Like, please. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, yeah. Immediately. Like no hormonal, no, no matter what, whether it's a pill, a patch, a ring. She no said, hormonal. No. Got it. She she put me on um the mini pill, Heather, um, which is um, I think it's progesterone. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong only. So it's like the one hormone I, I she was like this will not affect your tissue it's not oh. the combo it's not the combo pill got like, it okay get okay. off the combo pill um and so yeah she put me on this whole regime basically to heal and she also sent me to pelvic floor therapy um and pelvic floor therapy is amazing um but it's extremely vulnerable because this lady is putting her fingers inside of you and literally massaging your pelvic wall mm-hmm. um but I like there were times when I would like feel very emotional during it and very I would like cry when I left and Nicoletta would always say like um you know have something right after that is good for like either eat a delicious meal or you know light your favorite candle like because I'm so sensory um mm. you know do something get a massage um something to like you know, 
remind yourself this is a positive um, healing thing. And, and it was, I will say pelvic floor therapy was the first time I was, I'm 33 years old. I went this year and it was the first time I felt like, oh, I'm not broken. Something's not broken inside me. And also this isn't normal. And I don't have to just grin and bear it for the rest of my life and be like, the, the amount of times I had advice given to me of like, have a glass of wine, you know, chill out. And it's like, yep. okay, but it's still something doesn't feel correct, you know, or yeah, anyway, but I cannot recommend pelvic floor therapy enough. I know a lot of um, pregnant women or people, you know, who've had um, babies go, but it's also good for people who have never had a baby before and, or have any kind of pain or tension, you know? Yeah, that makes sense that there would be an emotional release when your body is getting a release, you know what I mean? Like, of course, like, of course there'll be emotion around that. I'm sure I would be, if I can ever get in there and afford it, like crying probably the whole time. Like The whole time. You know, I wouldn't save it for the car. I'd be, it'd be happening during. And I think another thing, it was also the, so I went to this like women's, um, doctor specifically not she is a gyno but she's not like a gyno like she's specifically for like women's sexual health and it was the first time that someone a doctor had like given me a mirror and was like okay we're gonna look down here and like I'm gonna show you all these like this is what this yeah. looks, this is and and that's in I'm 33 so like I've been the owner of a vulva and a vagina mm-hmm. for my entire life And no one, no medical professional has ever been like, let's look at this and I'm going to show you like, this is, you need to heal this part or this part, you know? And I, that made me very emotional. And I cried on the way home because I was like, this is, it really makes me sad that it took until I'm in my thirties to find someone who would sit with me and be like, you don't have to be in pain for the rest of your life. We're going to look at this just very this part of your body like it's anything else and you're not broken and nothing is wrong you know yeah no I've never had a medical professional do anything near that even like even like gynecology appointments they aren't they're just like all right now open open up and uh, here we go like Mm -hmm. they're not they don't ask like do you have any sort of trauma that I should be aware of before nothing 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 which is, no. I don't, and obviously they're not fucking teaching that because it's not, Mm-mm. you know what I mean? Like, that's uh-huh. if they were teaching it, someone in our lifetime yeah. would have done that. But nope, it's just like, here we go. It's so fucking awful. I know. Um, what is. Do you, what do you do? Oh, I'm jumping around again. Um, no, please. What do you do on a daily basis to help keep you grounded and sane and moving through life in the best way that you can? I think the biggest thing is movement. I love working out, but not working out to lose weight or anything. I love moving my body so much. And like, I have to actually every day, I think, um, for my mental health. Um, during the week, that's like an in- a really intense, like badass workout class where I feel like a superhero. Like, I love that. Um, but if I'm, if my body is saying, hey, you can't, run as hard or lift as hard. I mean, going for a walk, like anything, just gently, 
It could be gentle movement, intense movement. I have to move in some way, um, which has been so healing and wonderful. Um, and then I do the five minute journal. Do you know what the five minute no. journal is? No. It's kind of, so I did the artist's way and um, I do I know did, what that is. Yes. And I was all about the morning pages, you know. But then after a while, like writing three full stream of consciousness pages, you're supposed to do it immediate upon eyes popping open before you do anything. I was like, Wild. this is not sustainable for me. So I found the five minute journal and you do it when you wake up in the morning, you do it before bed. It gives you prompts. So it'll have a quote up top and then it'll say um, in the morning, it's like list uh, three things you're grateful for. Mm. And then the next prompt is three things that would make today wonderful. And then a daily affirmation you write out. It can be anything. Um, and then at night you write three highlights from the day and something you learned that day. Wow. It's great. I yeah. love it. What a great way to like get to know yourself. You seem like you've really done the work and are able to speak to yourself in a kind, compassionate, loving way. Mm. And Thank it you. is very, uh, inspiring and like just so fucking cool, you know, like that is not easy. And uh, yes, but I can tell that it's taken like a lot of the work. So, so, you know, mm -hmm. you put all that time and energy into it. So like, of course you yeah. have the results, but like, and just speaking with you, it's like, oh, you like know how to not beat the shit out of yourself. And that's cool. Thank you. And that's, I, it really has taken decades. I feel like, cause yeah, used to be very mean to myself, but I think the minute I started this healing journey, it was like, I don't ever want to talk to myself the way I, I wouldn't ever talk to a friend like that or my sisters. My sisters are my best friends. I would never say things to them that I've said to myself. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, why am I talking to myself like that? Um, yeah. As we wrap up, um, I usually end by asking, is there anything that you would recommend to someone experiencing a mm. low point right now? Um, and mm. can, can you relay that information? I think writing things out helps me a lot. Um, it just as simple, like that's just where I start. If I'm spiraling, if I'm having an anxiety spiral, if I'm spiraling, I just need, I, I, and then it does go back to the artist's way, which is funny enough. But now I use the pages as like in a moment of need. So just free writing, free writing and free writing and free writing, spitting out every single mean, horrible, scary thought onto the page because the, you do it and you do it and you're writing and you're writing and then suddenly it turns and you're just like, oh, this is not as, you know, you can just kind of pull out of it. Yeah. And I think that practice is the one thing I've taken so much from the artist's way that's changed my life is the practice of free writing um, in a moment of really dark in a dark, dark moment. Yeah. It seems like it might help you realize like you are not your thoughts. Like they I'm are separate. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like when you write them out, that sounds like. Absolutely. Yeah. Hell yeah. I have the artist way. Never done it. It's been talked about a million <laughs> times. It's sitting there. One day it's I'll so do good. it. Uh, yes. Yeah. I, I have 
get recommended it all the time. Um, yes. I don't know why. There's hesitation. I should talk about it in therapy. Um, yes. Thank you for giving me your time and your wisdom and your spirit. It's been truly a joy talking to you. Um, and I can't wait for the world to hear all of this. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. That was actor and comedian Nina Concepcion. You can find her socials in the episode notes below. And thanks again for listening. New episodes every Thursday. Thursday.